For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey guys, Bill Spadia here. Welcome back to the Speaking Podcast. I am really thrilled to bring back my friend, Dr. Colleen Huber, who is a naturopathic medical doctor. She is a not only a specialist in cancer treatment, but she's got a new book out, and I'm pleased to have her on to talk about this. She has been one of the most outspoken, aggressive critics of all of the outrageous COVID policies, whether it's mask mandates or isolation. And uh, she's here to talk to us about her brand new book in this fight against all the propaganda. How you doing, doctor? Great to have you back. Fine. Thank you, Bill. It's good to be back talking with you. So show me, uh, tell me, first of all, what's the name of the book and um, what do you hope to accomplish with it? Well, they told me show them on the video. So here you go. Uh, the name of it is The Defeat of COVID. And um, it is uh, it contains over 500 medical studies uh, showing what works and what doesn't work against COVID. So let, let's talk about that. Let's start with uh, government policy. I mean, now we see as of this recording, um, we are in New Jersey in particular, day 430 of 15 days to stop the spread. Literally 430 days of lockdowns, masks, et cetera. New Jersey, one of only two states to not relinquish the executive powers that the governor has been ruling by over the past year and a half. Uh, and almost every other state has woken up and said, hey, there's there's natural immunity. The, the curve was flattened, whether we masked up or we didn't mask up. Um, but, but, you know, my concern, I know the concern of a lot of other people is, what will happen next when COVID comes back in the, the cold flu COVID season of next year? So let's start at what's the number one thing that you believe needs to be done in terms of government and medical science to help people get through the next COVID season? Oh, yes. Well, uh, I'd say in New Jersey, there's a, especially a bit of challenge because Governor Murphy uh, seems to be confusing uh, 15 with 430 some. And so there's some math challenge going on there. But there was also the uh, Bill of Rights challenge because I'll never forget him being interviewed uh, a year ago or so. And they asked him about the Bill of Rights. Can you really, uh, you know, take away people's rights? And uh, he was like, oh, the Bill of Rights, that's over my head. Yeah, yeah above my pay grade, uh, Nuts. <laughs> So, okay, New Jersey's got a challenge there, but of course all of us do. And, uh, you know, because any virus can now be used as pretext. Um, you know, uh, if we look at such horrendous places as New Zealand, where this uh, Jacinda character there uh, says that zero COVID must be achieved, well, that's going to be impossible, especially with a PCR quote right. That has never uh, been valid as a test and uh, should never be. And as its inventor pointed out, it just doesn't function that way. So, uh, you know, any virus can be used as pretext. Uh, I, I really like um, the, you know, uh, I listened to an interview between uh, Catherine Austin Fitz and uh, Professor Dolores Cahill. I don't know if you heard that one. Uh, they were talking about eight pandemics between uh, 2002 and the present, but 
all of those being kind of dress rehearsal. And it makes me think there's almost a pandemics incorporated. Well, we see the, the massive industry that's being created around uh, beer lockdowns, uh, you know, vaccines, especially, which seems to be the culminating uh, crescendo uh, point of this. So, Doc, to that point, your book is entitled The Defeat of COVID. So are you saying that it is defeated or are you saying here's how you defeat it? I mostly say here's how you defeat it okay. and here's how others have as a disease in patients. And from uh, early stage uh, prevention to even late stage hospitalized patients, we're seeing some really good results with uh, five different treatments that I discussed in that book. So can you go into a little detail on, on, uh, on the five of them, or at least just give us a preview of the five and, uh, and then let people know how to get your book. Five well, treatments. I think that vitamin D is the most essential, uh, most important, and had the highest correlation with success against COVID. In other words, when people had low serum levels of vitamin D, they generally had very poor experiences if they had COVID. With high levels of vitamin D, they either had no symptoms whatsoever or uh, just beat it very quickly and easily. It, what was um, the, the, there was a stat, doctor, sorry to interrupt you, it was something like 80% or 80, I've, I heard somewhere, maybe you can uh, confirm this, uh, something like eight out of 10 hospitalized patients had a vitamin D deficiency. Yes, correct. But this has also uh, been verified all over the world. I mean, uh, data uh, from uh, every continent except Antarctica, which is not populated enough for data. But anyway, all the other continents have shown that vitamin D is very strongly correlated with success against COVID. And this goes for hospitalized patients. It's, it's um, also highly correlated with survival against COVID. And I think one reason it's the most important is it's the most accessible. If you have nothing else whatsoever, if you are completely stranded in the middle of nowhere, you can get out and get some sunlight and get some vitamin D if that's what has to be done. I mean, in order right. to have some, uh, I have over 130 studies in the book on vitamin D alone. Um, what's the second one? Oh, okay. Well, in, in terms of my favorites. No, I, you, no, you said there were five ways yeah. to defeat COVID, right? So what's, what's number two? Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, well, the next one I talked about is zinc. And the zinc works so well with uh, hydroxychloroquine or another zinc ionophore. We call it ionophore because uh, zinc sometimes does not get into a cell so easily uh, just because zinc normally participates in the dying process, the natural dying process of a cell. So cells try to keep it out or at least limited to a uh, thousand molecules or so or less. Anyway, uh, so we, in cases of COVID, we want to bring zinc into the cell, but when we do, uh, zinc has tremendous uh, capacity against COVID. Uh, SARS-CoV-2, it chops up in all the, all the places that makes it impossible for the virus to replicate. Uh, zinc also blocks SARS from even uh, attaching to that ACE2 receptor. Uh, zinc strengthens every single cell in the immune system. And when I say the immune system, it's not what uh, the vaccine advocates uh, look at. They're looking at less than 1% of the total immune system as what a vaccine addresses. I'm looking at not only the adaptive immune system, where T cells outnumber the you know, vaccines go for antibodies which are produced by B cells, but we have a hundred times as many T cells. Okay, now that is only one division of the immune system. That's the adaptive immunity. But then there's the innate immunity, which is even more vast, has, a, has broader range throughout the body. So 
zinc works on all of that, whereas, whereas uh, vaccines work on less than 1%. All right, let's go to the third one. This is so informative. And, and what I'm going to do is what I want to do is, is link to how people can get your book and then explain in the in the headline of this. Uh, these are the five best ways, according to one expert doc, how to defeat COVID, because I'm going to guess, even though we're only on number two, that number three, four or five are not going to say lockdown, isolate and put double masks on. <laughs> Uh, you know me well enough by now. Yeah, <laughs> All right, well, let's go to number three. What's the third? Uh, well, hydroxychloroquine, which uh, that's the third uh, because it works so well with zinc. Um, hydroxychloroquine uh, blocks the virus at the end terminal, which is very important, very helpful. But more importantly, hydroxychloroquine brings and shepherds zinc into the cell where it can uh, have effect at the cell nucleus. It uh, interferes with that viral replication. Uh, so uh, it also interferes with a, an enzyme RNA dependent RNA polymerase for uh, viral replication. And th the two of them together are so powerful. That's why I think um, Dr. Zelenko first and then uh, the frontline doctors uh, either around the same time or closer after had such great success with their patients with that particular combination. Why? Uh, and even in New Jersey, I, I took a lot of heat from some of our uh, clients, you know, radio is still a business. And, and there were some clients actually, uh, in some cases that, that uh, stopped certain ads because they were upset at my position against masking, universal masking. And even some of those docs turned around months later, admitting that hydroxychloroquine actually did reduce hospitalizations. So is hydroxychloroquine something that should be used early on? Is it a treatment later on? Because I had the um, the head of security for Gotham uh, Comedy Club, one of the big premier comedy clubs in New York City, got COVID, was hospitalized for two weeks, and he was, in his words, dying until they treated him with hydroxychloroquine. And within 24 hours, he uh, showed improvements and was discharged a couple of days later. Uh, so where in the process is hydroxychloroquine? Because even the skeptics admitted it reduced hospitalizations. Is it a treatment oh, yeah. or is it preventative? I like it for both. And uh, yes, I've also seen uh, patients uh, for whom their family had said goodbye to them. And then hydroxychloroquine was brought in the last minute at hospice. And then uh, the patient's up and walking around within a week. Wow. So yeah, hydroxychloroquine has been used as a rescue drug at the last minute. However, I think it's a very good idea to use it early before we get to that point. Um, it is on the World Health Organization list of essential medicines through much of the world. It's sold over the counter. It's considered very safe. And uh, at, the, at the dose that's normally given, which is about 200 milligrams for a COVID, uh, that is considered a very safe dose up to years. Now, after years of taking that, there may be some uh, eye injury, but that we're talking about years of daily use. And the reason we know that is rheumatoid arthritis patients generally have taken that for uh, many years as uh, to control their rheumatoid arthritis. So that's what we know from that chronic disease. However, for acute use, uh, using that daily dose uh, for a week or so, that is seems to be perfectly fine and does really well. Has there's over 200 studies, you know, in the meta-analysis, and it's working so well that the last time I looked at the meta-analysis C19 uh, studies.com, uh, it was let's see, one out of 427 quadrillion chance that it didn't work. 
because so many studies said that it does work. Well, why, why was it so vilified? I mean, do you think it was, and I'm not asking you to get political, but, uh, you know, the President Trump started taking it as a preventative. He, uh, he ended up with COVID, uh, had a very, very rapid recovery. Whatever cocktail they gave him in the hospital worked. He was back out, and I think he was stronger after than before. Um, that said, was it vilified, do you think, because of President Trump's uh, touting it, or was it vilified because it potentially eliminated the need for a vaccine? Well, yes, exactly. Those two and the third ultimate sin that hydroxychloroquine committed is that it's cheap. And so that yeah. violates this principle, <laughs> the money principle. The money. Well, that's it. I mean, I, you know, people, they, I, I hear these ads, they run on our station, they run on every station in the, in the country uh, with medical experts, right, from the CDC, all these politicized experts talking about how safe the vaccine is and how it is the best way to stop the spread. And I have pointed out to people, you realize that when Texas reopened at the beginning of March and Florida even months before that, the rate of vaccines and people who were double vaccinated was less than one in six Americans. So five out of six Americans not vaccinated. Even today, as we were talking uh, a year and a half into this, uh, you've got about 37% of the population vaccinated, which means two thirds of Americans are not vaccinated, yet the virus is almost gone. So it, it, it's even the skeptics like Dr. Marty McCary from Johns Hopkins has come out and said, look, guys, we, at some point, health officials have to admit when they were wrong. And, and, and natural immunity is perhaps the largest component, um, if not the largest component, to anything. People like, you know, like me that most likely had it, won't take the jab, and uh, you know, have no, I, I haven't worn a mask since this started. Uh, and as you know, you know, I've been with you in this, this uh, protest for normalcy. But let's jump back in, sorry, because I could easily talk to you for hours, Doc, and I know we're limited on time. And I'm going to have you back, by the way. I want to make this a regular thing. I really respect your opinion, your expertise, and I think the audience gets a lot out of this. And I hope they all go out and buy your book, The Defeat of COVID. Um, let's get to number four. So we've covered vitamin D, zinc, hydroxychloroquine. What's the fourth death of COVID out of five? Well, uh, there's vitamin C. Uh, vitamin C helps uh, macrophages produce hydrogen peroxide. Now, hydrogen peroxide is toxic to viruses and bacteria. Uh, Thomas Levy, a uh, medical doctor, has worked with vitamin C for decades. Um, he, is a, he is a staunch champion of the use of vitamin C because he's seen so many uh, successes with his patients over the years for a variety of conditions. And so he says that vitamin C has never met a virus that it could not vanquish. And I have to agree that uh, vitamin C has been uh, so successful against uh, viruses. So, um, you know, it's antioxidant effect. It's, um, it's used by the mitochondria. I think that uh, vitamin C is really an essential part of uh, fighting uh, COVID-19 as well. And, and about how many milligrams a day? I take a thousand milligrams of vitamin C every day. I take um, I take 50 milligrams of zinc and um, you know and I'm healthy. I mean I, I I do hot yoga. I practice hot yoga five times a week. So literally I'm sweating every day. I work out every morning before the show. And with the yoga classes, I'll sweat off two to three pounds in a class. So I'm replenishing my bodily fluids uh, literally, doc, on a daily basis. And I tell people, and it annoys people, especially the ones who say the famous words, believe and follow the science that yes. came. From politicized corrupt docs like Fauci. But that aside, 
Um, you know, I, I had a friend of mine say, no, look, uh, correlation is not causation. I said, guys, I, I haven't been sick with so much as a sniffle in more than three years. That there has to be something to that. I don't have some magical immune system. I'm just healthy. I agree with you. And here's a way that uh, people can get their own answer to that question, how much vitamin C to take. I would like people to consider this. Vitamin C and zinc are water-soluble nutrients. So they're going to go through the body relatively quickly. And you can assume that the curve uh, from when you take it is uh, that majority of that bell curve of uh, this bearing in your body. In other words, getting to a half-life point, it can be considered to be um, perhaps approximately six hours. Okay, now that's very rough, very rough, give or take. Now, let's contrast that with something like vitamin D, vitamin D3 specifically. Um, anyway, that is a fat-soluble nutrient. So that is going to stay in the body a bit longer. You know, even for slender people, uh, our brains are 60 to 70% fat, our bone marrow is fat, and then there's the layer of cushioning of the internal organs. So even for slender people, uh, we do have you know, enough fat content in the body to be able to rely on the body to store some of the vitamin D. Oh, by the way, uh, just an aside, um, the reason that COVID hit the obese so heavily, you know, 78% of the people who died from COVID were obese, right? Uh, the reason for that is vitamin D gets diluted in the fat in the body. So uh, you could, uh, a, an obese person could take the same amount of vitamin D as a slender person, but they're gonna get far less benefit. Why? Because yeah. it's spread Never out peripheral fat where it's not doing much good. So I'm glad you brought that up. So you're talking about 80, about 80% with a vitamin D deficiency and almost 80% obese. Yeah. So your younger, healthier, slender person is in a very small category of vulnerability. Yeah. COVID. Exactly. So what, 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 for number five, is, is that it? Is it losing weight or is there another factor? Oh, no, no, no. There's almost, it's almost my favorite. Uh, it's almost like Ivermectin was made for COVID. I much about Ivermectin. Uh, Doc, you cut out for a minute. Did you say Ivermectin? Yes, sir. Ivermectin. I, um, uh, it's funny you say that. I went on a site, I did a, um, I did a, a, a call with a doc, a, um, um, a you know, telemedicine call, and I asked about ivermectin as preventative. They gave me a prescription right away. I said, I'm, I'm getting back out on stage. My, you know, we're going back to normal. I, I just as a, as a functioning person who speaks for a living, I, I need to not get sick. And, and um, what do you think? Ivermectin, boom, gave me a prescription, said take it for a month. And, you know, you can actually continue to take it as a preventative, not just a an antiviral if you get sick. So tell me why is ivermectin, uh, and it's so available, easy, and relatively inexpensive. Yes, exactly. In fact, in equatorial Africa, where it's shown it's the longest and biggest miracles, uh, a dose is less than 10 cents on the US dollar. And you know, so you could actually eliminate a case of COVID for less than a US dollar. Uh, but, you know, it's slightly more expensive. It is. It should be considered one of the greatest inventions of the 20th century, because when Dr. Omura of Japan uh, discovered it in 1975, he won the Nobel Prize. It 3.7 billion doses have been administered around the world, and primarily in equatorial areas, because it is a very uh, good, very effective anti-parasite medication. So, but here's something that was found uh, with regard to SARS-CoV-2. Now, SARS-CoV-2 
has the spike protein, which has three parts on it. Now, I believe that we would be very fortunate if, uh, if ivermectin only blocked one part of that spike protein, but we're more fortunate. It blocked all three parts. It has three different mechanisms blocking all three parts of the spike protein. In other words, it totally shuts it down. And uh, the reason I think that's extremely important is we get into this problem of, of the shedding from the vaccinated people. Now, why are the vaccinated people shedding? It's because uh, the mRNA vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna has instructed the body to, to do create spike proteins in a person. But Pfizer admits on page 67 of a document I can send you a link to, they admit that that spike protein is transmissible by inhalation or skin contact. And so you have many, many thousands of reports uh, from around the world of the people taking Pfizer and Moderna vaccines that their contact secondary people, family members, co-workers, uh, the women are now showing uh, excessive menstruation, uh, uterine cramping, postmenopausal bleeding of all things. And, uh, you know, uh, there, there's just so many reports of this. Unfortunately, there so, is- let, uh, me, let me ask you, Doc, and because I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. I've talked to a few people um, um, about this, the shedding, and, and I didn't understand exactly what that meant, except now I understand it's that you're producing these spike proteins and you are, you are, um, you're transmitting them the same way you would transmit a cold if you sneezed. Um, yeah. That said, for those of us who are not going to take this vaccine, um, and, and I am not going to, my family is not, uh, up to and including my near 80-year-old mother-in-law who lives with us and has lived with us literally doc through this entire thing we never shut down our family my, my son he, you know he's a high school senior now he's 18 he, he and his friends have stayed together we've we've entertained we've had people over i would just have the kids hide the bikes in the back when they would come over so uh nobody uh, accused us of breaking the the gathering rules which we which we broke happily uh, you know, but, but they all stay. What's interesting is they all stay healthy, mainly because they're they're young, healthy kids, and they weren't really in danger anyway. But I've heard folks are getting a little concerned about those vaccinated people. My question to you is: uh, I've got a lot of folks that I will now go back to work and see family, etc., who were panicked and they all got the vaccine and they're going to take it as often as it's given. Um, as a healthy person who's not vaccinated, who takes all the precautions. I'm going to guess I'm just as healthy um, and and not vulnerable to somebody who's vaccinated or the disease that comes naturally. Correct or no? I think so. Uh, well, you know, a lot of us have had a sort of glancing uh, uh, relationship with SARS-CoV-2. In other words, uh, we've been exposed to it. Uh, there have been a lot of people who have been asymptomatic who've been exposed, and uh, we've our immune systems were strong enough. We probably didn't even realize we had it. Uh, so th th then there's herd immunity. There's C-cell immunity that's been built up. In fact, we know historically that that is uh, a phenomenon. For example, uh, Eastern Asia, the Pacific Rim, uh, basically is not having a very severe uh, COVID experience. And the reason is that SARS-CoV-2 is very similar in its structure to SARS-CoV-1. And they had, uh, in 2003, they had quite a uh, serious effect, more so than we had in the West from SARS-1. So that gave us, because it's got something like a 79% homologous structure, uh, that gave them a, a strength or a T-cell immunity, herd immunity, uh, against SARS-2. Uh, 
So I think that's what's happening is that we've got the herd immunity built up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and Dr. McCary from Johns Hopkins said as much. He said more than 200 yeah. million Americans have had it. Uh, last point, I know we're out of time, but last point, do you address anywhere the uh, anything about the vaccine when it comes to somebody who has already had COVID? Um, well, I do have a lot of reservations about vaccine for anybody. I don't address it in the book because I knew that, that, that what we learn about this brand new technology and its rollout and its experimentation as in the phase three clinical trials that are going on now with the population unknowingly, I knew that what anything that I wrote about it uh, a few weeks ago would be quickly outdated. So no, not in the book. However, I do have a website, uh, a webpage that is getting updated uh, pretty much every week with new information about the hazards of the vaccines. And uh, that's at primarydoctor.org. And you can click on COVID vaccine considerations. It's um, called primarydoctor.org? Correct. Primarydoctor.org. I will make sure I promote that. Um, okay, great. And, you know, and, and Doc, what I can't promise is that um, the, um, the overlords at Google who own YouTube won't take our video down at some point, but have no fear. The audio lives on my site and uh, through iTunes and Google Play, uh, but I was, in, I was in YouTube jail for a week last week and they took the whole station down because I dared challenge the masks on children. So, oh. you know, and, and even when you quote from the CDC or the World Health Organization, they take you down anyway. So where can folks buy your book, The Death of COVID? Wait, before I say that, before I answer that, let me just tell you about the most eloquent, beautiful, articulate argument I've heard against mass on children from a 10-year-old boy last night on Tucker Carlson. Did you catch, I believe his name is John Pretenzano. Anyway, yeah. beautiful argument. It would bring tears to your eyes. This yeah. child was eloquent and and gave evidence and uh he pointed out he and his dad was on were on and they pointed out the hypocrisy of the whole thing but you know maybe we have to hear from children more so that adults actually get it through their heads that children are being harmed by these maps and if we hear from children's children themselves perhaps that will convince adults let's get these maps you know, it's funny you say that doc because when when the left rallies and you see the uh, you see kids at these Black Lives Matter Antifa uh, and all those anti-Trump protests and the little kids are there, you, the the media loves to portray them and say, "Look at the from the mouths of babes. Look at this. We should listen more." The minute the kids start going against the groupthink and the collective narrative, oh, they're being brainwashed. They're being brainwashed by these Neanderthals like Dr. Huber and Spadia. So. You know, <laughs> but, but you're right. And I'm glad Tucker had that kid on. I saw the video when it came when it was went viral on on um, on Twitter and other social media platforms. I, I agree with you. I think it's time for us to hear from the kids. I think the the, the convincing point for me uh, beyond my instinct now going back literally to February when I just didn't believe the propaganda coming out of China when we saw that uh, the guy in the suit with the shopping bag dead on the street corner. It yeah. was so fantastical. You just, you knew it had to be made up. And of course, all those visuals are gone now because um, I don't think any of that was accurate or true because it never happened anywhere else. But that aside, um, you know, I, I look at this and, and say, we, we've come a long way in this fight. And to me, it's now time to start thinking about the future and preventing it. My, my wife and I, tomorrow, we're going to a restaurant 
Um, and and uh, there are several restaurants in New Jersey that uh, friends might have called and said, look, we're, we're, we're done listening to the mask mandates. We want you to come back. We, we don't care. We've taken the signs down. So despite the governor's best efforts, people are coming back to normal. What that right. tells me is by midsummer, it's over everywhere. Yeah. But it's this, it's this dormant uh, evil that's out there that I worry come October, November of next year, all of a sudden we're going to hear Fauci again and Biden's going to have 13 masks on and we're going to have to deal with this again. So what, what is your primary um, focus that you want to say to the parents of these kids who you know, are looking at this saying, what, what are we going to do to not allow this to happen ever again? I want families to build up their own arsenal of these supplements. Vitamin D, zinc, vitamin C, have them on hand. If you don't know a doctor who's willing to prescribe ivermectin, I would hope that you can meet one. I think those doctors need to be the ones that we go to, not the ones who have the blinders on. And, uh, you know, the doctors who had the blinders on were told, oh, you have to let the COVID patient die. You have no treatment for them. And they said, okay, well, we don't need doctors like that because uh, they're not serving the public. We need right. doctors who are actually going to treat and try to get the patient well. So I would say find a different doctor if you don't have one who will do that. But at the very minimum, as a little savings account at home, have some vitamin D on hand, have some zinc, have some vitamin C. Very unfortunately, the FDA just took away N-acetylcysteine as a supplement. And the reason they did it, the cynic in me says, is because it's been effective against COVID. It yeah. wasn't one of the five that I wrote about, but still it's been used to, to treat COVID. And I think that's why it's gone now. So we're gonna send people to primarydoctor.org. Yes. And I wanted to buy your book. So where can they find the book? Okay, The Defeat of COVID is on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Wow, okay. Legit, you know, the uh, it's only a matter of time before Amazon throws us all out. But I'm, I'm glad to see that um, the free speech can still exist on a platform like that. I'm I'm, I'm really happy about that. I will I link that in my post on this. What's that? I, if I can say, uh, Daniel Horowitz of the Blaze said of this book, this is the book that Fauci should have written: the defeat of COVID. Wow, that's a great line. We'll leave it right there, and Doc. We'll certainly have you back. I appreciate your time, your expertise, your passion to save lives and really help people. It's, it's so important. And sadly, um, to find uh, docs who are not political today, but sadly few and far between, at least the ones that get the publicity. So we're happy to keep promoting your message and keep you out there. Bill, I'm so glad you are doing the work you do. You are doing such public service. Thank you. Thanks, Doc. We'll see you soon. Excellent. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.